What we want to do right now is go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a guest, a friend of the program, uh, making his debut on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Jerry Brewer of the Washington Post, kind enough to join us here today. Jerry, we certainly do appreciate the time. How are you? Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, we're excited to talk about the NFL draft that's coming up tomorrow. And uh, obviously this is a little bittersweet for us, Jerry, because with the NFL draft coming up for the past four or five handful of years, uh, when it's gotten to be this point, we've been able to talk with uh, one of your colleagues, the now late John Clayton, joining our program and uh, your time in Seattle and then working at the Washington Post with him. I know that he's on a lot of people's thoughts right now, but uh, thank you for taking this time. And it, it really did always feel like John Clayton just loved the NFL draft to kind of figure out who those next stars in the league were going to be yeah you really do feel the loss this time of year i mean i i can think of so many um uh, nfl drafts in seattle being in the, in the seahawks uh draft headquarters and um they kind of have that next to a cafeteria um, the players lounge and just talking about prospects, talking about possible moves, him predicting what was going to happen and being <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, th- those are memories that are very strong this time of year. So um, that's just an irreplaceable loss. Yeah, we'll have the uh, NFL draft coming up tomorrow as uh, we start to turn the calendar to the 2022 NFL season. Talk about your experience, though, Jerry, because the the stories that uh, it looked like you were referencing there, we can only imagine here here in Auburn or just anywhere for folks that might be listening to our show to actually be kind of there and reporting on the draft rooms. You see them on the television coverage from time to time, but what's it like? Like, what are some of those scenes that uh, you'll never forget to just show exactly how chaotic an NFL draft might be for those franchises. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, um, you, know, you, you get there a couple hours, maybe even as much as three hours before the draft, and you, you would kind of see um, all the scouts. You know, you normally don't get to see them in the building because they're away so often, and you might see them kind of walking around and the, or the GM or the coaches and assistant coaches. And so everything's just kind of calm, and then it gets more and more tense. <laughs> um, then when they make the pick, there's just like this big celebration, and, and they always make you believe that it was exactly the way they planned it going, <laughs> and they were more excited about this draft pick than any pick they've ever made. Huh. And then it's just like right back to right back to the war room, right? Because uh, um, so there's not. It's not until day three that there is really this sense of just great relaxation um, after they make their seventh-round pick, and then there's this mad scramble for undrafted free agents. Um, And then you sort of look back, and you often wonder, like, the thing I'm always interested in is, like, what was the puzzle that they were trying to put together? I don't necessarily look in terms of covering teams uh, on any individual draft pick unless it's like a top 10 pick because you absolutely have to mail, nail that. But you're kind of looking at like, how did they see their team? How did they read what value was in that draft? What are they trying to do? Because most of these teams are going to pick, uh, especially if they make trades, you know, six to 10 times. And not all those guys are going to make it, but if you're drafting well, you damn sure better have four long-term starters who come out of it, and and you would hope a couple of guys who 
um, our star caliber. And so you have to look at that full picture. What were they trying to do? What does this mean for the direction of their team? Like, I love how all those clues start to come together. And then you're able to kind of, I don't necessarily evaluate teams pick by pick versus like, what is the big picture here? And then you kind of hold them accountable the next three years based on how they were reading the room. And this almost feels like a draft where you are kind of looking for big picture as opposed to the pick-by-pick grade for these teams. It's a draft that every year we get to this part of the season, you want to talk quarterbacks, and we could certainly get to that at some point, but there's no names that are necessarily just jumping off the page right in front of you. And it's set up, Jerry, by an offseason that has seen a lot of quarterback movement. Like, what have you thought about the existing quarterbacks and all the shakeup that we've seen so far this offseason? Yeah, I think a lot of that is it's, it's a sign of the time. Um, that that uh, teams are essentially saying, like, with, with the quarterback salaries rising, um, even if it's not the quarterback that we want to commit to for years and years and years, we kind of want a placeholder um, at a salary that we can kind of work around. So I think there's some of that going on in the cap dynamics when you wonder, like, I don't like this guy. Um, why did they decide to pick up his contract in a trade for – $25, $30 million a season. Well, part of that is kind of cost certainty um, and a higher floor. Uh, the reason there was so much chaos is what we're going to see tomorrow. Um, it's not a good quarterback draft. And um, quarterbacks always get overdrafted, so I wouldn't be surprised if there are more taken in the first round than what draft Knicks are predicting. Uh, however, um, no one is looking at any of these guys and saying, you know, bam, that's, that's, that's Joe Burrow, you know, or even that's Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so um, a lot of those moves were made so that they could free up and, and really get proper value in this draft. And this is an edge rusher's draft, at least on Thursday for sure. And I think this is a wide receiver draft, a heavy wide receiver draft over the first two rounds and maybe into the third round. I think it's a very good defensive back draft, especially on day one and day two. So that's going to dominate the storyline on Thursday and Friday. Uh, Well, since you were talking about quarterbacks a little bit, uh, one of the guys that uh, could very well be the first quarterback taken uh, is a former Auburn Tiger in Malik Willis. Obviously, he left and finished his career at Liberty, uh, but Malik has uh, really transformed himself uh, into a top guy once he left and played at Liberty. So uh, just kind of in your opinion, do you think Malik could potentially – do you think he will be the first quarterback taken uh, over some of these other guys, or where do you see him falling in this draft? I think Kenny Pickett will be the first one taken, and I think he'll go somewhere in the top ten, and he's more of a safe pick. Uh, I think you can depend on him, uh, you know, having a shot. Uh, I'm not sure that he's going to be a star, but I think that's why he would be the first pick. I will say this: um, uh, you're you're talking you're talking about um, in Malik Willis the most physically gifted uh, quarterback available in this draft. And the question becomes, right, like, um, did the fact that he he went to Liberty and then started to stand out, um, was it because of the level of play? Um, uh, Can he rise to the occasion um, or not? 
and, and that becomes a big question. You look at some of the big games uh, that Liberty played that he didn't play well against. You know, I'm thinking about a game against Ole Miss uh, in particular, and there's a few others against big name opponents. That scares you a little bit, but then you also have to acknowledge like that's Liberty, so it could have been the talent around him. Uh, it's it's it would be awfully difficult for me to take a pick in the first twenty on him. However, I think he could be one of those guys if you're picking, you know, say twenty to forty or fifty that uh, um, winds up being you know a phenomenal pick. Uh, it's just you know how patient are some of these teams going to be? Uh, who are really quarterback desperate. Jerry Brewer's here with us on the program from the Washington Post. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jerry Brewer. Great extensive coverage about the NFL, a sports columnist for WAPO. So uh, here in Auburn, Jerry, the closest NFL franchise, the Atlanta Falcons, about an hour and a half drive away. So many people always have their eyes on what those dirty birds are doing. And with Atlanta going into this draft, Matt Ryan, a quarterback who saw his tenure in Atlanta come to a close. How'd you react to that news? Uh, it was time, you know, and I, I think the franchise needed to rebuild. And man, they got a hell of a rebuilding project, right? Like, I mean, I look at that roster um, coming out of free agency, uh, easily on paper, um, the worst roster in the NFL. Um, but that also tells you something maybe about this draft of them. Uh, they should not reach for a quarterback. Um, I, I think, you know, even if they have just a phenomenal draft, this is a team that ain't going to win more than five games unless they just get an extraordinary um, coaching season and, and just players play out of their minds. So they're going to be back in the hunt next year in what's going to be a much better quarterback draft. So I think you look at this and you say, at minimum, this is a two-year or two-draft process for us. So let's just go out and let's get the best talent that we can get at number eight, and let's not reach. You know, they might um, in, in later rounds, you know, look at some of the more uh, and take a flyer type pick on a quarterback. But I'm sitting here looking at eight, and depending on how things go, you could get a phenomenal left tackle. Um, you could get um, whoever you love among those wide receivers, right? Like they might be in a position to take the first wide receiver on the board. Um, more so, I, I think the pick for them, you're likely going to be in a position to take the first or second best corner available. And that almost certainly would be either Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley, Stingley Jr. And I don't know how you would pass up on either option there. So I think for the Falcons, it's just take the, truly take the best player available. Take the guy that you think is going to be a star at a premium position that's worthy of number eight, and then worry about your quarterback and the rest of your offensive problems down the road. Jerry, you mentioned earlier that this is a really edge rusher heavy draft and that there, that a lot of people really love that position. Two of the names that people are talking about a lot are Aiden Hutchinson and Trevon Walker out of Michigan and Georgia. I, I Personally, I look at these guys and they, there's nothing physically superimposing about them. Their stats don't really jump off the page. Uh, their film that I have seen does not excite me too much. Why, why is the NFL so high on these guys? I think with uh, Aiden Hutchinson, it's really ridiculous motor. Uh, just the the um, his senior year at Michigan, 
he was just phenomenal, and he tested well. I mean, he tested athletically, if you want to believe these tests. He's more athletic than either of the Bosa brothers. And so if you're looking at them as a possible comp, you're like, okay, well, this guy seems like a safe pick. I do think Aiden Hutchinson's the safest pick in the draft, but the fact that Walker is getting prime consideration as well kind of tells you they're not sure about the ceiling with him, right? Um, and Walker, the concern with Walker is the same concern that you would have about a ton of uh, of guys, you know, traditionally at Alabama, right? Like that defense at Georgia was so talented. What you know, um, what's it going to be like for an individual standout when he's not around that caliber of talent in the NFL, and he has to go when he has to beat his guy, and so on and so forth? Um, that becomes the question, but. Uh, you know, if I were, if, if you take everything away, I mean, I, I really do like that idea. I mean, Hutchinson Walker probably would be um, one and two, you know, regardless of any other considerations, just who do I think um, would, would, would be in atop my prospect list. I, I think those guys would probably be one and two and Evan Neal. And I mean, I'm a big cornerback guy, so I mean, I really, really like uh, Sauce Gardner as well. Um, and then you start going on down to, you know, Garrett Wilson um, is someone like Kyle Hamilton is someone I absolutely love. He's a safety, so he's going to go a little lower than he probably should. Um, that, that, in terms of talent, is how I think it, it all is. But this is one of those interesting drafts in that there isn't a clear, overwhelmingly dominant number one. And so it really becomes like what kind of offense, what kind of defensive scheme are you trying to run and which guy do you think is going to be able to handle um, the adversity of the NFL and that's why I think Hutchinson is uh, is on a lot of lists as being the number one guy because he's been through quite a bit in his career he's battle tested, he's seen failure at Michigan and he's helped them uh, get back to a level of, of high respectability making the college football playoffs. So um, you look at him and you're like, well, maybe he doesn't become the, you know, an, an elite, elite 15 sack a year type of player, but I feel really good about him getting double-digit sacks for quite a long time. Jerry, first of all, congratulations on your induction into the Kentucky Journalism Hall of Fame. Uh, that's oh, pretty thank cool. You very much. Yeah, no problem. And uh, you said you're a pretty big uh, cornerback guy. Um, so Auburn has one cornerback that's probably really, really gonna uh, that's probably gonna go pretty decently high in the draft. Roger McCreary. Where do you see him fitting in um, in the draft this year? Yeah, that's an interesting um, an interesting question. I mean, he's not gonna go um, probably in the first forty, but I do think he's someone that. Um, you know, people who have like a certain amount of taste uh, at corner um, are, are going to really like. Uh, so um, I think, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, um, you know, taken on, on day two uh, somewhere by some team that could really use him um, and really knows how to use him. I think fit matters more for him than some of the, say, the top five or so corners um, on the market and it just kind of depends on 
on just how the draft falls and uh you know the hard part for him is probably like after the first round is going to be just this crazy run um on wide receivers because of value uh i mean we're talking we're in this era where the top receiver makes 20 30 million a year <laughs> and if you're going to try to retain a guy you're, you're 25 million and I don't know if you guys remember the days when you would draft a receiver and it would take two or three years before the guy really showed whether he could play or not, whether he could run the route in the West Coast dominant system or this or that. Now, like quarterbacks, because offenses are allow more freedom to their players, um, young wide receivers thrive way more than they ever have. I mean, just look at, it seems like, Every doggone receiver from the SEC who's been really good has <laughs> gone to the NFL lately and just Don't we know it. been phenomenal as rookies, right? Um, so I think a lot of teams are looking at that and saying, um, if you can get you know a receiver that you really like, um, it's worth bringing him in on a cheaper contract because uh, that might save you some dollars down the road in trying to re-sign a guy or go in free agency and have to trade. Like, it's crazy in the NFL. The, the craziest thing was not any of the quarterbacks this year. The craziest thing was that, uh, you know, a team was willing to give up the Miami Dolphins five draft picks in order to to um, to pay Tyreek Hill $30 million a year. And that the Raiders, uh, as wonderful as Devontae Adams is, were willing to go that high on a 30-year-old wide receiver and make a big trade. Right. Uh, to get him as well. Like, you don't want to start playing that game in the NFL. And so I think that's why a lot of teams are going to be like, if I can get a good, a really good wide receiver on a rookie contract, that's going to be higher on my priority list than it's ever been. Well, Jerry, we certainly do appreciate you taking time to chat with us. We've enjoyed uh, our first interactions with you down here in Auburn. Tell us a little bit about some of the projects you've got coming out. And again, how can people find your work? Uh, you can always go to WashingtonPost.com slash Brewer. And, um, I mean, I'll be all over the draft this week. Uh, I'll be into the uh, NBA playoffs uh, next week. Um, and you know, hopefully I get to, to get out to the ballpark and, and do a little baseball. There's there you some go. interesting stories brewing there. Well, War Eagle to you, Jerry. We appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. You take it easy.